Good morning, John. Good morning. Is it still morning? I don't know. Whatever it is, it's the right time of day. Oh, you're, you're in to, a zen? Uh, Are you in a zen place right now? Well, I want to start with an experiment. Okay. John. I'm already okay. creeped out. If that's if you're wondering whether or not this will creep John out, check. You've you've he creeped is, me the hell out. He is shivering, but I'm, I'm gonna to take I'm gonna room. take the pain away. Okay? okay. I'll take the discomfort away, okay? Still uncomfortable. I would just embrace it. I want everybody listening to this to close your eyes. Even if you're driving. Close your eyes. Do I have to do this? Yes, you have to close your eyes. Okay. I want you to take a deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. If you're in a car accident, it's okay. Just feel, just just keep going. <laughs> Work Ready? through it. We're going to come in through the nose. Just take another breath. And out through the mouth. Now, this is a visualization exercise, okay, Very John? Very uncomfortable. I know. So am I. I'm, I'm always <laughs> uncomfortable. This is a visualization exercise. So everybody, I want you to visualize a computer. The computer is glowing. It's warm. It's radiating heat, okay? Oh, this is stress-inducing. This computer is getting bigger, Okay. It's getting closer to you. You walk up to the computer. You open up our website, justwingitpodcast.com. What browser? What browser? Using preferably Google Chrome because we benchmarked it. <laughs> now, you open up the website. You find an episode that you like. You listen. And then you share with one person who you really love. Picture okay? them. Picture, Picture them, right them now, oh, wow, I had to open my close, eyes because I wasn't even talking to the mic when I said that. Close the computer. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I've moved like a mile away from the mic. Because the I... force of this meditation. Okay, no, it's powerful. Gonna... Keep your eyes closed. They're still closed. Keep your eyes closed. Close them I've harder. shared it with close a friend. Them, close them so hard you get those weird little worms in the front. Okay, now <laughs> we're going to move away from the computer. I'm going to move away from the computer. And now I, I want you. I feel you... like I'm on a ship. <laughs> John, shut up. <laughs> now I want you to slowly open your eyes. And I want you to turn up the volume as loud as it goes. Alexa, order 400 rolls of brawn toilet paper. And that's our exercise. Thank you. Wow. And now you can just go, Alexa, play Just Wing It podcast. And share it. That'll work. Yeah. The sharing, I don't think she can share yet. Well, she will. Sharing Thank you for walking Alexa. us through that. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty good. You know, I was mentioning before the show that I've been, I've been re-engaging with my headspace meditations lately because I've been stressed as... as Shit. Yeah. Stressed AF, as it's, the children say. It's coming say. through. It's beaming out of your existence right now. You're like a like beacon a, of stress. Like a computer that's getting yeah. larger, right? I don't know if any if, if anybody has used Headspace. I know John and I both have used this quite a bit in the past. Um, I didn't realize how powerful the British accent really just... Or is it is he British or maybe Australian? I can't, no, he's, he's definitely British. What are you talking about? <laughs> it, you know, he's British. It's definitely not Australian. He's not like... No, no, but I'm not sure it's straight British. No, he's sort of like... Uh, yeah, but he's not like a Birmingham. It's like no, no, uh, it's true. It's true. He's like from like Chelsea. Is this the I episode? Think. Have we transitioned? This is the episode. We are closing our eyes and <laughs> yeah, no, and scene. Just wing your podcast. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hello. <laughs> well, I don't know why I felt like that was important. Hello. Um, <laughs> was that? I, was I that? Say, uh, wait. Well, who is that that did that? Family Matters. What's his name? Urkel, right? Uh, yes. Steve Urkel. Yes. That's Meh. what I was channeling. Urkel. But really, I'm John Abdullah, and I'm with uh, my good friend here. The meditation guru, Patrick Green. Meditation guru. What do you no, think, I, guys? Been, Let uh, us know after this if we can make it as a uh, meditation app. Yes. You know, we could be competitor. Also, also, I mean, we love my Headspace, but, you know, if there's money in it for us, I mean, we'll, we'll compete. If you did get in a car accident, I, I am not sorry Take about no it. Take no responsibility. Because it was, it was worth it. Um, don't sue me. 
that's that's just the end of the story. I think that. that'll get you out legally. That's what our I lawyers think that's told how us. it works, right? Mm-hmm. You just you say, don't, don't sue me. My it's watch the exploded. hashtag don't sue me clause. Hashtag don't sue me. Mm-hmm. My Apple Watch exploded the other night. Nuh-uh. And I've been thinking a lot about this. Yes. What do you mean by exploded? Under normal usage, using a first-party charger into a surge protector into the wall, my first-party Apple Watch. Yeah. Third generation, which I love dearly, and as first Apple party. is our title first party sponsor, people. first party. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm saying, you know, it's not like I got a gas station phone charger. Like this was all like yeah. actual equipment, right? Right. And the battery expanded in the middle of the night, and it popped. Oh my god! O- of course, I didn't wake up because, as we've established, I sleep like I'm in a coma. Even though the thing was like in flames. At and, that and, <laughs> I mean, it might as well have been, but the glass actually shattered on the Nuh-uh. screen. Yeah, that really happened. And woke Micah up, and Micah was like, "What if oh, it were that on your arm when that happened?" Exactly. Well, it won't because it, it. So I've looked it up, and apparently it happened on. It only happens it has on chargers. On the charger, that makes yes, sense. Yes, because yeah. the battery expands and the capacitive but you're, glass you're interface emitting such doesn't. Heat, Patrick, I mean, I am, it's my, it, it could have happened. My eyes are closing. No, it's exactly right. Wow. So what happened is, uh, you know, the expansion of the battery was too much for the tensile strength of the outer casing of the thing, and yeah. so so it broke. Which to me seems like clearly defective. So I'm going to go to the Apple Store this week. I'm going to be like, you listen, do that. I have. I mean, I've bought. This watch for family members. I bought it for my wife. Mm-hmm. You know, We've I, I love this thing. We've been advertising it to ex-presidents here. right here. Yes, Barack Obama's a big fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm not going to try it. I'm not going to try to uh, you know make a thing out of this. But what they're going to say to me, of course, yeah. is, "Well, the warranty covers hardware, and the screen isn't hardware. Is the watch yeah. working?" And I'm going to say, "Yes, technically, the watch is still working, mm-hmm. but the screen isn't, so I can't interface with the watch." That makes it a bit difficult, right? Yeah. So here, so here, I've been role playing this in my yeah. head. So they're, then they're going to say, well, we can't, you know, Corning is the manufacturer of the glass. You can bring it up with them or bring it to a glass repairer. We, yeah. we apologize that this happened. And my retort is going to be, well, the hardware itself is defective because the battery is what caused the glass to That's break. That's right. Right? Yeah, you got the, the battery problem bitch, there, bud. Right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to do a meditation exercise to calm down again. Yeah. And then uh, they're going to hopefully relent at that point. If they don't relent, here's my next plan of action, Okay. Apple, don't Walk listen to this because you're our title sponsor. Uh, so if they if they still say, you know, I'm sorry, we can't cover that, pay $300 and we'll fix it for you, <laughs> which is probably what you they're going to say. You might as well just get a new one. I'm going to say, well, my child could have uh, been injured play the kid by this glass because go. I went online and I found that somebody else that it happened to, their kid got cut, a six-inch cut Ooh. on their forearm because they grabbed it, and it's a sharp object. Yeah. And if you don't know that it's cut because it happens in the middle of the night and mm-hmm. you put it on in the morning, there's a chance that your child could get injured At a minimum, it. they're going to have to put a disclaimer on there that says this may explode and cause harm to you, you know, in the same way the that the, uh, the hot beverage, you know, McDonald's. The McDonald's cup, right, exactly. Though they could just say they had the hashtag don't see us clause and then... That's true. And then It'd you can't. Then what are you going to do? There's nothing you can do to fight that. That's true. Then you got to meditate. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to see what happens with that. And if they still don't relent, then I'm going to say, well, I'm going to file a class action lawsuit. There you go. And make it public. And even though and Apple's going to be like, well, who gives a shit? We, you know, we they probably settled someone already lawsuits has, every someone day. Someone must have opened one on I'm this. I'm sure because it's an actual defect in the third generation oh, Apple yeah. Watch, and everybody has that watch. Yeah. And um, it's that an actual consumer safety rough. thing. So wow. um, we're going to see what happens. But you know. They're, keep us posted they're on our that. sponsors, so keep know. us posted. How you and been? Please keep us giving us money, Apple. Even though you aren't giving us money right now, but give please. us money <laughs> someday. Close your eyes and give us money. Uh, I'm good. I'm tired. I um, I had a really great weekend. It was a good fall weekend, and my uh, son Luke turned one. He did. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was a big deal. How was the party? It was awesome. It yeah. was. It was. Uh, so it was outdoor again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Grace's is in July, and so that's easier to to do outdoors and confidently, you know, of course you still have to watch for the rain, but, you know, you can pretty reliably get good weather. Um, With this one, we had a backup location just in case. 
because, you know, it is a toss-up. October mm-hmm. could be super cold, and it could be rainy, and that combination is just awful. Right. Um, and we were watching the weather, and at the very least, it looked like it was going to be fairly warm. But the rain, it was like a pretty good chance. At one point, it was showing like 60%. But it never rained, um, right? So, yeah, as we got closer, the chance went down until that day, mm. you know, it was good. And, and Don't it, you feel like a little out, bit responsible for that? Oh, absolutely. We like, willed it I into being definitely so. have. I'm You're welcome from everyone the in the New England area for uh, having a great Saturday. It does kind of feel like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. it was good. It, was, it couldn't have been a more perfect uh, fall day. And it was That's just awesome. wonderful being outside with friends and family and... You know, for all the reasons we talked about in our birthday episode, uh, it was just, it was a really great moment. And, you know, the first one in particular is, of course, a big deal. Yeah, totally. Um, We can just see Luke, you know, becoming not just like a a baby anymore. Right, becoming Um, a man. Yeah. He's becoming a man. Yes. He's really cut his teeth. A big boy. um, This past uh, weekend and, you know. Now he's he's about to run the marathon next week. He's got week, his job. So. Mm-hmm. He's, he's doing great. You know, and we couldn't go to this, of course, because we had a conflict. Yeah. Henry had his third birthday party of yeah. the year this weekend, which was which was really nice. Oh, man. You know, we had uh, you know one just kind of our immediate family, and then right. we had one at my parents' house, and then we had one at Micah's family's house. Yeah. Uh, which was great. That's so nice so to Henry's spread been, it out, too. Well, it's sort of becoming like the Hanukkah of <laughs> birthdays. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like we yeah, have yeah, like yeah. so many celebrations. And they love it. The, you know, the kids. So oh, of I say, course The more they the do. merrier. Uh-huh. Actually, speaking of Hanukkah, we had a, uh, a like a Jewish you starting it meal. Early this year. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so our friends uh, Cassie and Mike are um, very observant Jewish, mm-hmm. and when we go over there, we try to do all like the rituals of them. you know we're not we're not Jewish, but we yeah. do the rituals with them, and the and the kids really enjoy it a lot. Um, and that was fun. We like put salt on the uh, the challah bread. Ah, it's pretty. Have you done that before? No, I haven't. It's very cool. Yeah, I sometimes. So in our house, as you can imagine, we do full immersion dinners a lot Everything. of the time. You know, yeah. where we yeah full ass. <laughs> so when we have Indian food, for example, you know, we play ragas in the back and you know listen yeah. to Ravi Shankar and things like that. When we do matzah, which is a huge hit in our mm-hmm. household, we throw klezmer music on. Wow. Um and. Uh, it's funny. It's like the only interaction that our kids have, other than going to Cassie and Mike's house with mm-hmm. like Judaism. But Jude, but Jude was like a little. He was like, "Are we Jewish?" I'm like, "No, but the music's great and the <laughs> That's food's how good." Immersive you know? your uh, so, yeah, experiences we're, are. We're like learning like, prayers. Did we, did we just like, become Jewish? Yeah, in this did that process happen? Of this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that just happened. That's awesome. Anyway, no, it was uh, it was super um, good. Yeah. So after this weekend, you know, it was just like we planted it. It was at our house outside, and uh, all the planning that goes into it, and then the work that day, and then after it's just you like a bouncy relief. house out? Yeah, we have, of course you got to bring mm-hmm. the bouncy house out. Because, you know, those one-year-olds. Um, they got to get hurt. Yeah, exactly. They got to get crushed. Yeah. Uh, so it was great. And, like, you know, it's, like, it's also kind of yeah, of relief afterwards, right, where you can just, like, the next day, party successful. We can um, go back to, like, our regular programming, whatever that is. Right. Um, and it was later in the day, and uh, we didn't do too much the day after because we were just, like, you know, exhausted. Right. And, Bethany, there was this moment um, where Bethany was – this sounds so weird out of context, but there's, you know, there's like some balloons in the house still. And she was like high kicking them, like just for fun. You know, it was just like there was one floating in the kitchen and she was like kicking it. Right. And I was like, you know, be careful. Take care of yourself there because, you know, we're not the uh, young chickens. This is not your first birthday party, <laughs> Young Bethany. chickens? Is that, is that Sp- the term? The chickens of spring. Spring chickens. Spring chickens. There you go. What is a spring chicken? Oh, because... No, actually, I have no idea why they're called that. I mean, they're not like plants. I are mean, they always I'm born in the born, spring? Well, no, but they're animals. I mean, they're born whenever they want to get born. You know? So why are they? Why is it a spring chicken? That's a really good question for somebody who's not one of us <laughs> to answer. We're, we're still waiting on a follow-up about guess, meteorology with apples, guess, by the way. If you had to guess, why is it called a spring chicken? I would say chicken? because uh, the chickens in the spring are peppier because the weather is changing. It, and it, they it come truly out might and be that active. they only mate during the winter. 
And then how do chickens have sex? Honestly, have you thought about this before? No, but they do it a lot, right? Apparently, if there's a rooster, don't they like they're like they must be boning like all the time. <laughs> well, I don't know, so many children. The eggs are. I mean, but the eggs aren't always fertilized, right? Well, many of them, luckily, are not, right? <laughs> but like, but they must be just doing it all the time. Right? I, I I would imagine. I mean, if you're an animal, How? Though, are they, are your they options, like, your list of things you could be doing, you know what I mean? Like, we've well, got to, decision- I mean, to our vantage point, who's, who's to say that they don't have many things to do? No, they don't get don't shit. It's like, well, they do know? have shit. They can, you know. They do shit a lot. They can yeah. shit, they can eat, and they can fuck. I mean, that's basically it. It's a pretty, pretty good lineup <laughs> of things to do, you know? So, I any, can do three things. So, spring chicken, I'm going to guess that there is, you know, that's primarily when they're born or or when they're reaching young. I don't I don't know. but We got nothing. How about how about you keep going and I'm going to look this no, up while we're don't. talking. No, I well can't. now I have to find out. All right, we'll find out live. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm waiting. <laughs> so the reason Okay, here we go. All right, go ahead. That was fast. Wow, you got some good googling power. Um there. well, actually it's just saying what it means. Oh, here we go. Isn't here that what here we're, we're wondering? Here we, go. here we 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 go. <laughs> Okay, the origin of the phrase actually comes from its literal meaning. Mm-hmm. In the early 1700s, farmers found that chickens born in the spring brought better prices than the old oh, ones that had gone through the winter. When farmers tried to sell the old birds as new spring-born, buyers complained that they were no spring chicken. The first recorded use of the phrase so it's not about youth, in its, it's actually figurative about, meeting was 1906. It's not necessarily related to youth then. It's just like the cream of the crop kind of thing. Yeah, I guess. Well, I guess it kind of explains more about it, and it says that uh, it's usually used in a pejorative sense to describe someone who's no longer young yeah. and who doesn't realize it and so tries to act long, younger than that. <laughs> I'm glad you just read that, because then yeah. now you can picture it, okay? Bethany yeah. kicking this thing in ways that probably, yeah, she could have got hurt. Right. Clucking. And then she, she paused for a minute, and she was like, I don't know, a hospital visit right now, that sounds kind of relaxing. <laughs> and, then I, and then I stopped and thought about it, and I was like, let's see, painkiller... Uh, sitting on a you know one of those couches or the beds that can recline, yeah. TV service, food. You know you can eat the jello. feeling of the ass against the sheets. And so we were like, we had open. a moment where we we're seriously considering uh, how luxurious a hospital stay would be <laughs> in this moment because we were just so tired. And you know, also with kids, you know, just like Grace had been sick last week. You know, whatever that's usual, right? Um, was, is she okay? Was she's it, fine. It was, was just, it, a, it was just a virus thing. No, no, no it wasn't okay. streptococcus. Okay, um, but. Anyway, we were just feeling tired, and, and uh, I thought that kind of summed up, you know, parenting. It's like you actually give serious thought to hospital visits <laughs> Getting these hospitalized. days. And how that could be, like, a relaxing, you know, experience. I mean, last time I was in the hospital, uh, you know, I, like, remember I was, like, packing my bag. I was like, oh, I got some books I want to catch up on. You know, I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> gonna make some time out of this, and I sat there, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't like an immediate. Yeah. I mean, it was bad. It was an infection, but it wasn't like you know, I wasn't terminal. You know, I was, right. I was gonna be. I, I would. I wasn't gonna be overnight. Yeah. yeah I yeah, know yeah. I'd be home that night. I was like, you know, maybe I'll catch up on some stuff. Of course, you know, I yeah. Brought my music. It was like I remember nice. even just looking at the bag that I packed for baby one versus baby two. It's ridiculous. You know, like with Grace, I like packed some reading and probably like a Kindle and uh, uh, maybe a. I don't know, deck of cards. I don't even know Couple what I packed. chickens. It was like, yeah, ridiculous amount of stuff. And of course, you know, there's, there's no time for anything except like keeping this little baby alive or sleeping. Right. Um, but anyway, hospital visits. But huh? for, for Luke, you just bring like, you know, just a gun. I mean, we just showed up basically. You just show up. Yeah. It wasn't no even the real hospital. On. Yeah. Just we just in underwear. We went to the nearest hospital wherever we were at in that moment in time and we're like, can, you, actually, can you do was, this? It was a minute clinic. Yeah, at exactly. CBS. CBS like, minute you clinic. You got this right. It turns out they are trained for that. Are they really? 
No, I have no oh. idea. I mean, well, they I mean, probably. I mean, they I mean, must have some. Because you have like to NPs, imagine, you know? at least one person has gone to a CVS Minute Clinic, not known they were pregnant, mm-hmm. and had a baby. Oh, I, I guarantee. And that's happened. Subsequently levitated. I'm going to say that there probably was somebody who levitated <laughs> that, in a that CVS. Was a pre, that was a precondition to levitation, I believe. You know, I always read it in my head as minute, just yeah. to laugh about it. And, yeah. and it's, I've <laughs> never actually told anybody that, but I really, every time I see it, I go, oh, it's a minute clinic. That's really, <laughs> that's, that's really cute. That's awesome. And no, another word that I always fuck up is casual versus causal. I'm going to oh. go ahead, I'm going to go ahead and admit that. Yeah. I always misread casual and causal. Yeah, I, I misread that sometimes. Because our brains work by looking, it, but I misread it. For we look sure. at the at the beginning and the ends of words, right? Which mm-hmm. is and people have tested this out with those. Oh, like, and fonts also that the consonants. The you middle. can just put consonants and no vowels, and you can read too. Right, because mm-hmm. we because we look at shapes, right? Yeah, That's yeah, how we yeah. read quickly. Right. But casual and causal, I'm like, why do more people not talk about that? I feel like that's yeah. something people probably mess up all the time. Right. I also probably, there probably are not as many people saying the word causal in day-to-day experience as I'm that's, assuming. that's true. Very but, true. oh my God, I always screw those up. Yeah. Well, also, isn't there that thing where um, something gets stuck in your brain one way and it's like impossible, even though as hard as you mm-hmm. try and as aware, aware of it as you are, you can't fix it. It's yes. just stuck. Like yes. a wire got cemented in your brain. A you dendrite, know? yeah. Uh, and it's just you can't change it. Like with names that happen sometimes where, yeah. you know, if oh you meet God, somebody and you think it's the, the wrong name, they're that name forever. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there's there's a guy that I, I know who I only see every like month and a half at a certain church service that yeah. I sing at. And he's just a wonderful person. And we talk for so long. But when I first met him, I thought his name was Jeff because yeah. somebody else's name was Jeff. And they were like talking to somebody else. And I misheard it. Right. And I always call him Jeff when I see him. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's your name, Jeff. Like, yeah. But it's like this weird moment. So, you know what? What we should do is probably just be honest about it and be like, listen, yeah, I know you're Scott. But I'm going to call you heart. Jeff. I'm going to call you Jeff because it feels good. <laughs> and I'm the decider. Yeah, exactly. You, know? you can't, you're not the boss of me, Jeff. Yeah. yeah, fuck off, Jeff. Speaking of Jeff, we uh, we got some uh, input on our, the toenail saga it continues. Oh my God. I don't know if you saw input. this, but we got a message from, uh, I think it's someone you're you're in contact with, Sam Harper? Oh yeah, Sam Harper. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, right. so he's in, where is he, England? No, Scotland. Scotland. Edinburgh. And uh, sorry, Sam is I, a wonderful I that one. guy. You guys, yeah. Uh, he is, I'm burping as I say that for some reason. Not a reflection on Sam. You sure? Uh, yes. He, uh, so, so, so Sam, Sam and I hung Freudian out. Burp. A Freudian burp. A flurp. Uh, we went to the uh, Indy 500 together. Oh, it was, nice. Uh, it was an awesome time. He's a, an, an old friend from Formula One. Well, so he, he we wrote in and I think could relate and not only relate broadly to the toenail thing, but um, to Dave's approach to it, the tear. Mm. He's, he was also a fan. He thinks that that's, you know, that's a method that works for him, well, too. I think that's fucking crazy. Um, I'm sorry. I still think it's crazy. But he also, he wondered if we had another problem, which uh, I could relate to and probably you will, too, which is where... And how to um, do face shaving? The fact that you get, you know, those uh, that your your hair off your face. Well, right. Why can't I use words? <laughs> the hair on your face it falls off into the sink and then clogs it. And so, yeah, do you that's do it another, over, like, a trash that's can thing that or frequently annoying. Uh, Sam said he was doing it for a little while over the toilet, <laughs> thinking that that would thinking that that which is also an awesome visual, <laughs> thinking that that wouldn't clog, but of course it did. Oh my god! Um, which I don't know what kind of hair he has to, to clog you know, a he's, toilet. He's here suit. Yeah, he, but that's, he's uh, that's he's impressive. Yeah. You should probably enter Guinness World Record for something. Yeah, he could probably. You know, he's the interface designer that I mentioned. He's getting his doctorate ah, uh, in, in Scotland for. Uh, yeah. For, uh, he's working with VR stuff. It's very cool. Wow. Um, yeah, he's. Well, hairy, if that doesn't that work out, you know, the hair thing, Guinness, they give you some kind of prize, right? They must. Yeah, we'll get the toenail. I'll do the toenails. You do the toenails. I'll do the toenails because right? I can't the most, fucking the healthiest cut those. toenails. 
the world's most resilient. Resilient. There you go. Toenails. And he's got the resilient hair. Exactly. We can get Sam. This is an invitation. Let's do yeah. Guinness together. Um, shaving is always problematic, which yeah. is why I literally never do it. I mean, people can't see me right now, but I, uh, I, my beard is touching <laughs> the floor. No, I, 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 it's a little awkward when he has to get up out of a room and just like pick up the beard first. You know, <laughs> when he swings it over his shoulder and then walks really out of the fits. room. Yeah, I'm like. <laughs> Um, I feel like, uh... Is that a tail or Patrick's face? <laughs> or both. <laughs> um, I, so I don't shave very frequently because yeah. it's just such a pain in the ass and I just don't have, I just physically don't have time for the it. Time I'm like, thing. you know what? So I trim with the beard trimmer because yes, that's, that's never what that I do. bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I put it down to basically stubble length. Yeah. Um, but then it's like the actual shaving part. I always like invest in I nice used, shaving like stuff. A, yeah, I haven't used real blade in so long. Like I go to the art of shaving store at the of mall, course, and I'll yeah. be like, oh, like I'll take, I'll take the miracle, <laughs> the miracle smooth thing, you know. Uh, and um, and then I use it once, and I'm like, God, that was so luxurious. It took me 45 minutes. I am never doing that again. <laughs> so like our our like uh, immediate sink area has like a graveyard of shaving products for yep. the years that I've used once and never used again. Yep. yep. It's very difficult. It but is. one tip that I can share vis-a-vis that is putting a paper towel down mm-hmm. that's out of the range of the actual drain with the, where the water's going into it and, yeah. and putting like a strip of paper towels out sort of right under your face uh-huh. and so it can catch. And that just catches a bunch. But it can't so, catch all. No, I mean, it's still gross. I mean, I, I still well, always so my tip have for to this, do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm liking it so far. It does, it's also not 100%, but they actually make, I think it's the Norelco one. So you come out Norelco. of the shower. Where the uh, fun happens. You come out of the shower. You sit in the toilet. Right? You, you cut your hair, the hair 90% of the way. And then you, you rip the rest. It? You rip the rest off. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. So Norelco, I think it was Norelco, um, makes a product where uh, it has a little vacuum in the thing. It's it's a beard trimmer. That's just fucking over. I know it sounds it sounds that's, ridiculous, that's but it's insane. not even it's not even like an expensive beard trimmer. It's like in the same you know ballpark as the other ones, but it has a little vacuum in it, and so when you uh, when you just, shave, that's just crazy. It just sucks them in. Oh man, it's awesome. Have you used it? Yeah, I have it. I've had it for like since how last how Christmas. loud is it? Oh, it's not even loud. It's the same. It's the same as you know. How much is it? I think it was like forty bucks. I mean, for a beard trimmer. Okay, that's actually not that bad. <laughs> Does it and have it, good it control? It doesn't work ninety five. Yeah, it doesn't pull even ninety five percent. But um, does it have control? Like, uh, can you do like you know geometric patterns with it? Oh, absolutely. Because sometimes you can I, see my I face like to right do the now. Tony Stark I usually thing, do my you know. initials. That's what you do. I know. Um, but you I, was, you don't I have think that I did right Tony. Now. I was looking through some old Halloween pictures after our last episode, and I saw I was Tony Stark a few years <laughs> nice, ago. Nice, nice. And I attempted to do that, but at my goatee doesn't actually connect. Yeah, neither does so mine. Just on one side. Awkward, yeah. yeah, it was just this awkward like attempt at that. But yeah, yeah it was that's bad. held me back many times from, um, from trying that. I feel yeah. like every guy has the same progression of when you're actually going clean shaven. Like yeah. the, the the journey from whatever you have. Before I know that. that awkward. I'm always like I start with sort of mutton chops. Yep. you know, and then and then I and then I kind of whittle those away till it's just the Tony Stark. Yep. And then I always do the full Mario mustache. Uh-huh. And then I always have to end with the Hitler mustache just because I'm crazy. Yeah. Do you, do you ever do, do you ever like you know what I can't pull that off either. Oh, there's but at least plenty. I'm not Hitler. I mean, that's good. That's true. It's good. So it's a chaplain mustache, right? Yes. It's, 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 I have a friend yeah. who he would do a cookout every year, and for each one he would. I don't remember how it even started, but he would just do a crazy mustache for each one as part of like the would tradition of this cookout. And so, uh, no, he hasn't twirled it. I'd love to see, see that. My friend so John, Rich, if you're he listening, does these, he does which I know twirls. you are. <laughs> he never um, listens. No. Uh, this is John Kerry. He doesn't have kids. He yeah. twirls. John um, Kerry, exactly. He does these like huge twirls with his mustache. Those are impre- we... that must be so much work though. I can't deal with that. I mean, I don't even fucking shave because it's too much work. Right, I'm exactly. Not gonna, like, twirl Imagine twirling. No, you got to put a product on. in there. Yeah. Do you put like a curling, like a curling iron? Maybe they use thing? a curling iron. I don't know. Have you used a beard balm before? No. Okay, what is that's that? actually a game changer. I have Amish beard balm. 
It has to be Amish for some reason. Well, they, they make know their very beards. good. They make they I mean, do two it makes things. Sense. Three things: horses, yep. beer bombs, and fireplaces. Any of those three? Th- you ever like the like electric fireplaces <laughs> that the Amish people make? You ever no, seen those? I've never seen them. That's yeah, weird, huh? And they're electric. Yeah, I know. It does boogie woogie woogie. Yeah, I don't know why. Okay, so anyway, um, Sam, I, we can relate clearly. Oh, beer bomb is great. Yes, um, right. you know, and we each had our tip. You have the paper towels. I had the vacuum uh, shaver. But the reality is, this is something that most of the world goes through, just like yeah. toenail clipping, on a re- even a more regular basis. Yeah, and it's f- awkward. Mm. The other one that I always bring up is when I wash my face. Mm-hmm. So I always do like I feel like my face washing formative years were the late '90s, early 2000s. <laughs> Neutrogena commercials of like the tween heartthrobs splashing it. Oh yeah, motion. that's exactly. The so that's how I, I wash my face, and it's yeah. always like it just the messiest fucking thing, and all the beard hair that's like sitting everywhere Ugh. is like floating yeah, down. You can't do that shit. No one splashes it on their face like that. But I literally have tried the '90s. To it do really this. left that imprint. It well, it's so it's just so ravishing with it the slow motion. It is Jennifer Love Hewitt with the thing. You know. Yeah. I feel like I try to wash. I've actually asked you, for help. Right. Oh my god, I was oh like so in love with her. Oh, in the, absolutely. In the late 90s. Oh my god. Of course. Uh, trying to like to do like even so, I, I've I've moved on from that phase of my life. Okay, like I'm no longer just throwing water <laughs> at my face, uh, other than for comedic effect when the kids are in the room. Yeah. So now I'm trying to actually wash them. But here's the thing. Okay, when you wash your face over the sink. You have to pull your hands together, like yep. cup them to hold the water the to become a vessel, mm-hmm. a vessel for that's the right. uh, H2O. Some will slip through, but that, that's all well, right. No, but then you can yeah, get pretty right. good at that. Right, yeah. So and I, I can make the vessel airtight. Yeah. Okay? I usually put a little bit of mortar between my fingers <laughs> yeah, and then right. it's like. <laughs> you want to <laughs> nail it, a little bit of water sealing. <laughs> yeah. Stain Caulking. it. Yeah, caulk it. Yeah, caulk, caulk those hands. Um, and then, and then I, I bring it to my face, but the problem is that the water always sluices down my forearms because oh, you're yeah, creating literally a perfect channel for water. To, it's like a fucking it's flume, true. like a log flume, yeah, right? Yeah. So then it <laughs> the all per- goes on the floor. As soon as you said channeling down my forearm, all I can think of is, uh, uh, oh man, I'm blinking on his name from Jurassic Park. John Kerry. Uh, <laughs> yes, John Kerry and John Williams. John Williams. Um no, the Chaos Theory guy. Oh, Ian uh, Malcolm. Yeah, but yeah. what's his what's that Jeff Goldblum. name? Jeff Goldblum. Thank you. Going through the Chaos Theory and how you know you can drip it in one <laughs> yeah, spot right, and then drip. it drips down in the other. Right, right. Um, anyway, sorry, that scene that plays way worse now than it did when we were yeah, kids. Yeah, it kind of does. Shit. It kind of does. I'm like, or like we were watching Ghostbusters the other. Day. So this is something else. Henry is head over heels in love with Ghostbusters. Oh right wow, now. that's fun. And I don't really know like how I think it started with the theme songs. We've been playing Halloween of course, stuff. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. And then it kind of went from there to watching the real Ghostbusters animated series. And then it went to, like, watching the movies. Yeah. Uh, and now, like, both of the boys are just completely in love with Ghostbusters, which is great because it's Ghostbusters, oh, right? Oh, of course, yeah. But, like, oh, my God, there's so many cringy things in it. I like, bet. Like, like Bill Murray trying to, or, you know, um, Vankman trying to, like, convince these, like, female co-eds to do experiments and then, like, putting his arm around them and, like, oh, trying to get no. them to stay late. I'm like, oh! Oh, man. Even ten years ago, I wouldn't have. I would have been like, "Oh, that's like it's funny because he's skeezy, right?" Right. And, and the whole point is, it's the hero's journey. He like becomes better than that. Of course, and he figures yeah. out he's an asshole, mm-hmm. and he gets over it. Which, which is why Venkman's a great character. But it's like it's too real now. You yeah, know what I mean? seriously, it's really hard to get that level of objectivity again. Yeah, because it feels like we just see this like played out in public. So no, much. it's so true. Um, what the fuck is this episode about? I mean, I don't know, shaving or no, the art of. Sh- the art I think of I think we better transition. We better cut it off. We gotta oh, call it. Call right. it. Call it! All right, here we go. So, this episode, you ready for this? I don't know. (laughs) I already forgot what it was about. I know you explained it before we went in here. I think, 
So I think what we wanted to do is kind of like revisit um, this topic of identity in a different context mm. now, right? So we had talked about this in maybe episode two or something like that in terms of who we are, right? And a right. little bit about our identity. And I think that- That was episode three, actually. Uh, was it I three? I remember that because it was the first one where the audio quality was upgraded. Uh, and I was like, ah, okay, good. At least we started that arc with fresh an episode air. where we actually introduce ourselves. Yes, you know? So yes. like, we can be like, I'll just start with episode three. But they almost out and did the painkiller. Yes, that. that's right. And I mean, that, you just, it's a classic. Foundational. Someday, maybe we just can wing digitally it. remaster the first two. We should, we should have, like, professional voiceover artists do yeah. it. Like, <laughs> like, I'm Badger Green. <laughs> Who would play us? Uh, I would clearly be Angela Lansbury. Oh, that is very true. And I think you could be Morgan Freeman, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm a pretty Morgan Freeman kind Can you do guy. an impression? My voice? Oh, man, I can't even, let's try. I, mean, I can't even think of what to say. Say, uh, rubber baby buggy bumpers. Rubber baby, bumpy. I don't even know. I don't even know. How <laughs> Say Marlboro. <laughs> no, I'm not falling into that trap again. Wait, sh- I'm going to do this. Ready? Go ahead. Marlboro. No, that just sounded like a voiceover. That didn't sound. Marlboro. I can't fucking do it. I love the the, the the cheeks in there Mar- too. Well, I'm trying to make it old. Like I'm trying to like yeah, make yeah, the yeah. skin loose. Mar- <clears throat> Mar- Marlboro. The penguins. <laughs> March. March. <laughs> March of the Penguin. I can't fucking do Morgan. Picking Freeman. up a Christopher Walken. Yeah, little... March of the of the Pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marlboro. Yeah, Mar- Mar- that wasn't. I was just trying to say Marlboro. That's I can't the, even. The, the March of the Penguins. All right, go. <laughs> so we're talking about identity. We're talking about evolving identity and like the idea of, um, you know, for <laughs> us, like we can think back to different stages of our life where um, maybe we evolved or devolved. I don't even know um, our identity, and then thinking about. At the end of the, I guess maybe I'll synthesize it this way. I, we, I often come back to this question now as raising kids: who are they going to be? Like that's just a fascinating thing, right? To, that we stop and think about mm-hmm. as parents: like who mm-hmm. are they going to be? Who? <laughs> who are they going to be? Who are they? Wow, that voice! I don't know who it is, but it's it's but it legit, works, doesn't it? Like yeah, it's yeah. legitimately another Coming person. Friday. Yeah. Right. Right. It's On good. NBC. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Go. You got to stop though. It's too distracting. I will. Um. <clears throat> so. Uh, oh, what's his face in um, Arrested Development, The Magician? Oh my God, exactly. Yeah, that's Will, who it is. Uh, Will Arnett. Arnett. Yeah, it's Will Arnett, and he does the ba- the Batman in the Lego well, movie, that's, right? Yeah, that's right, what right. I was thinking of. Sit down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's good. So, <laughs> fucking, <laughs> I am not this helping. Episode. I am not helping. So, our evolving identity: who are our kids going to be? Right. And how do they get there? And like, right. what is our role in that? You know, because like, inevit- undoubtedly, we have a role in them finding themselves. At some level. And I would, I think, you know, personally, like, it feels like they're more malleable, more influenced uh, at this stage. And, and now Patrick is reaching into his alien lunchbox. And, and I'm pretty sure your entire arm reached into that <laughs> alien lunchbox. are far down. Okay? And, and I, I, did, I couldn't see your arm anymore. Yeah, it was up to your shoulder. <laughs> like, it's like a Mary Poppins lunchbox. And all he pulled out was a grape. I know, but it's good. All right. So... <laughs> Are we ever going to do this? I don't know. Well, let, let me, let me, okay, so you're in the middle of synth- synthesizing. Let yeah, me go back. I don't know okay? about that. Let me go back. Go back, please. Let's go through a couple of our stages. Before we talk about our kids. Yeah. Let's revisit, because the idea for this episode, basically we were talking about what we wanted to record today. Because we never fucking know and what I was we're like, going to do. I, I was like, let's talk about anxiety, let's talk about guilt, let's talk about <laughs> depression. Like, because, and John's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no! <laughs> and then I was like, let's talk about maybe our awkward phases yeah. growing up, because we yeah. both had awkward phases, I'm assuming. Some I mean, of us you never did, I just wanted it. to hear about yours, I, really. I don't have any. I've just deepened my awkward phase. Yeah. Um, and then we were thinking, well, you know, there's also this notion of the identities of our children yeah. and what impact we have over them. 
and looking back on our own identities, which have been fluid to a degree I think over so. time. Yeah. And uh, and I think it'd be fun to kind of trace the evolution of ourselves. I think so, especially yeah. in terms of how we identify ourselves, right? Well, and I'm curious in this, you know, you don't have to answer this now, but certainly if you have thoughts on it, like, how do you even think of identity? Is is identity static or is it something, are you always sort of uh, changing or transforming? Are you a phoenix? You know, like, what is, what is <laughs> the metaphor? Al- I'm always a phoenix, John. <laughs> exactly. I'm always a phoenix. I figured, yeah. yeah. I got a dark stratus. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so um, much. <laughs> I don't even think it's from a movie, Dude, though. Picture, yeah, it is from uh, is the other from guys, Star Brothers? isn't it? Oh, is it Step Brothers? <laughs> we all it's, some, it's something Will no, Ferrell. No, but the Dodge Stratus thing is actually from a Will Ferrell skit on SNL, Oh, it's I a think. skit. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I love how we both just had like all these Will Ferrell moments yeah, like, popping over. exactly. Heads. They're all funny. But so do you think of it as like what metaphor might you even use for identity for you? Like is it something that's static and changing, evolving, or is it more just like, you know, you're a new person every uh, five years? You're shedding your cells. Let's, you know, Peter's shedding right now, actually. He's been very the lizard is shedding. Oh, he's really? Been, he's been very, very aggressive. He but sheds. He's his... very sweet. But he's very emotional about it. Um, I think so. I'm going to go ahead and throw out some complete nonsense. But Please. That feels well. That's which why is people listen. Literally isn't it? all that I do. That's all but we ever I, do. L- let me tell you from a non-psychiatrist standpoint. Yeah. What identity is to me? People. Okay. Although hashtag I am also a professional hashtag don't sue psychiatrist. I will go ahead and put myself out of my own lens of experience for a sure. moment, right? And share with you non-professional opinions. Please, enlighten me. So to me, identity is something that we create to allow ourselves to be distinguished internally and externally from the collective unconscious human experience. Mm-hmm. If we didn't have individual identity, yeah. we would be subsumed by our cultural identity or by our social identity, right? Yeah. And life and identity finding, in a way, mm-hmm. is a matter of navigating those social and cultural identities and assim- assimilating them yes. into something that means I am uniquely this or I am uniquely that. So, so if I hear you correctly, it's entirely an artificial creation, and we re- there is there isn't necessarily something distinct or unique about each of us, really. It's just like it, that's the way that we sort of we give a framework to uh, maybe giving purpose and meaning to our lives and distinguishing ourselves from everyone else, but in fact. At a basic level, there there may not be a uniqueness about us. Well, Am I, I misinterpreting don't think, what you're saying? I, well, that's a, a fucking emo way to look at it. <laughs> I don't know if I would agree with that. I, I don't think that um, we necessarily have control over it as much as we like to think. I, yeah. I think in a lot of ways, I agree with that. like for example, I, a big part of my identity is the Italian American experience. Mm. Even though I'm not, I'm not, I don't present as outwardly Italian American. <laughs> yeah, that's like right? a totally new one for me to hear you say. Right, but it's because because I grew I up. I would have guessed a whole list of things ahead of that, like you know, sharks, professional or, plumber, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, all these various things, um, graffiti artist. You are you are a tenth shark, right? I, I am at least it. at least a tenth shark. Yeah. Yes, a couple generations back. Right, goes in the family. The great whites. Yeah. The great whites. Uh, that's racist. Um, <laughs> so uh, so growing up, you know, I meant, I've mentioned many times Sundays at Grandma's house. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and Sundays at Grandma's house were really steeped in this Italian-American tradition right, because right, that's right. where everybody had come from. And we had all of these Italian foods and we would speak in all of these ridiculous, you know, Brooklyn <laughs> Italian, Italian terms. Yeah. Right. Which, which, as I've mentioned to you before, like I grew up thinking that I knew a lot of Italian, but I, I didn't. Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't until I met actual Italian people that they were like, what are you saying? Well, to be fair, they were like, oh, what are you saying? You little bit, you know. <laughs> there he goes again, perpetuating no, Great way. Um <laughs> And I so so, but that was part of me, right? So uh-huh. so, a big part of how I, and here's the thing, I used it to a degree to buttress my sense of self because when I was not in that experience where mm-hmm. I was completely comfortable, because Sundays at Grandma's house were 
some of the most comf- comfortable moments yeah. of my life. Yeah. Right? I was loved. I was appreciated as a unique person there. I didn't have to prove anything to anybody. Right. 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 I was with people who would be by me regardless of whether or not I made a fool out of myself. It didn't matter. You know, we all loved each other. Yeah. We had a shared yeah. experience and shared memory. But when I left that, when I went to school, you know, I didn't have that to take with me. And I was all of a sudden in a place where it was much more diverse and it was much more interesting in some ways and much more scary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so to carry a sense of my comfortable self with me, I would bring that and I would, you know, remember it and I would look for people with the shared Italian experiences. American identity? Yes, mm-hmm. to a degree. It's not like I would join like, you know, the fraternity of Italian American brothers or something. Was that a thing in your but, like, elementary but, but, school? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but like, but I would, I would find kids that had similar upbringings, you yeah, know, and, yeah, and yeah, we yeah. would talk about our shared experiences and be like, oh, you called it, you know, you called it Monogat too. That's, probably, that's what I right, called it. You right, know, I didn't think yeah. anybody else said that, right? So it was a way of keeping a sum, somewhat of a sense of self in a in a world where it can be easy to negate that, especially mm-hmm. when you're growing up in your formative years and uh, everything about everything that you're interacting with is trying to negate the sense of self. Oh. And it's being subsumed by the idea of being cool, by fitting right. in, by going under the radar. I mean, we are entirely, I think, self-absorbed at that stage of life. Yes. Um, and for the terrified, most part. But, and terrified. Right? I'm, I'm always impressed. I have to say for the most part, because I am always impressed with, like, there are a few young people that you hear about or you meet who are already, like, volunteering and doing like some amazing stuff and not just like as a you know show but right. like really you yeah, know like I hear them talk yeah yeah um who you know certainly in some pretty cases extreme example, pretty extreme right. and forced into it to an extent but yeah right but it's always impressive to see someone at a young age get them get out of their own head and you know sometimes the external conditions maybe force that but i can relate to what you're saying for me it was greek american mm. um you know growing up very greek on my mom's side um and really being you know went to greek church and um, learned Greek or tried to <laughs> went to Greek school um, wow, to try you, to. Did you really? Not like a separate elementary school or something like that, but I went to an actual like uh, we called it Greek school. It was just you know teaching me Greek um, wow. at a young age. Do you in remember? School. It? it never stuck. Can I can you speak it. I can still actually no. I can't really speak it. I can say a few words. Let's hear it. Um, Afaristo. Yeah, that means thank you. Um, Omega. Omega. Yeah. <laughs> nice <Alpha>. job. <laughs> Socrates. <laughs> See, I can. I can oh, that was good. Yeah, right. That was. I would. I'd believe you're Greek. Right? You could. Right? You could make it pretty far. Socrates. Just with those few words. The grape in my mouth. Um, Porioreo. Porioreo. That means very good, but it's terrible. Porioreo. Uh, articulation of it. Porioreo. <laughs> like that. That was more like Japanese sounding. <laughs> that was racist. It was. Hang I. I want to go back from I Japanese movies you, that I've seen. What? What, yeah. what is your sense of identity more broadly? Like, like when when you when you were thinking about this episode? Yeah. What, in your life, how have you created an identity for yourself? Well, so I would say for me, I when I even think about a question like that, I think I have a hard time. I don't want to like just – I don't think of my identity as some like set in stone or really clear thing. <laughs> just abandon the grape. He dro- it dropped it on the floor. I, it's actually, a carpeted I, I accidentally floor. Threw it. I'm going to eat it. The carpet is really what – no. Oh, he ate it. All right. That's well, crunchy. There you go. We'll see what happens. Forget the jalapeno. You might crunchy. pass out with this one. So <gasps> I think that – um I, I like to think of it as pretty fluid, and I also um, I don't like to I, I like to leave some mystery there. <laughs> and it's not just because like you know I want to leave you guessing who am I, who am I? But it's like that even, John he always makes us guess. Yeah, you know exactly. I think I I think it's a reluctance to focus too much on self, um, while also really embracing you know reflecting on self in the ways that we do through this show. And like I used to blog before this. And so, I, did you ask me who I am or how I think about that? No, you can answer that. But what I was curious about is what is identity to you? Yeah. You know? I think, I think you're right in that identity, I look at it as, as, as serving this important um, framework for us 
to give meaning to our lives as individuals. And I, what I wonder about is, is it because we are part of a capitalistic society where, you know, it, it's very much like one person can do anything and we sort of prize that above community in the U.S. in particular. Mm. Um, and, I, and I wonder, like, how big of a deal is identity in cultures where it's much more about the community? Like, do they even think of their identity at all? Uh, I'm not sure. And I'm not making a case for or against that. But for me, I think that um, so much of identity, you know, comes from the way that we're raised in that um, it is to some extent a pretty independent kind of, you know, uh, individualized experience where you're in it on your own. Like, that's just what we're taught from a very young age, that we're, we need to leave our mark, we need to, you know, contribute as well, but it, everything is happening from the perspective of us, and everyone else is everyone else, you know what right, I mean? Right, And so I guess I, I see it very ingrained in that way, and I'm, I'm, I, I don't know, like, how natural is that? Um, and I'm reluctant to say, like, it would be great if we were all just, like, collectivized, because I feel like that could be really bad, too, but I don't know, because I've never known anything else. Um, so I think identity can be a really helpful way for us to just think about like purpose in our lives, because then you can say, who am I, who do I want to be? That's maybe the more important question for me, um, which does imply a degree of control that maybe is unrealistic. I'm not sure. But But let me ask you, when you ask yourself, who do I want to be? What are you really asking? What's, what's that question really about? I think it's in my mind, it's like you start from a place of understanding who you are and what where you might be able to uh, business terms would be add value in the world you mm-hmm. know it's like what am I good at what is my what am I passionate about and then it's like where do you want to aim that energy so that's how I think of um, to what, what end what do you want to be yeah because it's like um, and this comes into play when we're talking about raising kids I think we're predisposed towards certain um, characteristics values whatever it might be and then we're raised in an environment both in a society as well as by a family unit who have particular values that they're imparting on us and biases and all of that. And so a lot of that control, you know, it, it, I guess we don't have, well, we certainly, I wouldn't say have full control, but you're operating within those parameters. And then within that, you have some control over where you want to sort of, you know, set your sails, I guess. That's how I like to think of it. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly where, what the ratio is there of like how much control we actually have at the end of the day. Yeah, it doesn't feel like much. Yeah, it really doesn't. I, I'm because I'm thinking I, like I'm trying to break down my personal identity in mm-hmm. my head because yeah. I'm not listening to you. Of course, yeah. <laughs> no, it's all about you. No, You're still I, in that self-absorbed. Some of us graduate I'm to a higher level of thinking. about myself. I am a hero, um, and which is why I'm meditating as we speak right now. Because yeah, you know, I've worked at I've worked it out. That's true. You have. If you know yourself well enough, you can meditate. You can, as we've proven. Yeah. No, I, I've been thinking about how I define myself and how that's changed through the years. And it's funny that a lot of the things that I really – this is weird. I'm, I haven't really thought about this. A lot of the, the ways that I define myself started basically when I was seven or eight. Mm. A lot of the things that I, I think if, if, if people talk about me as they frequently do. Oh, you know, everyone's talking about In my about absence, you everybody – of the gossip columns, President Obama. Yep. Um, they probably – a lot of the characteristics that they would say about me, like my music – my love for science fiction. Yep. Um, those kinds of things happened basically right in the time period of my childhood. Mm. And early on became kind of set in stone as things by which I define myself. So at, through time... Yeah, you know, isn't that, there's that circuitous thing that happens there, right? Well, because I came like, back to it, right? Yeah, yeah. But what's interesting is that, you know, I, I never moved away from any of those things, mm-hmm. especially music. It's, it's always been something that I just... An everyday part of my life. But there were times in my life where I wasn't as... Where, for example, I would not have brought an, an alien lunchbox to school, right? Right, right? The act of bringing an alien lunchbox to work is a conscious 
embracing of what I wished I could have been doing all of those years, yeah. but I didn't because I felt ostracized for being a nerd. Right, right. right. So I, I do think that there is a reclamation going on mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. for me personally where I feel like I'm at a point now where I don't have anything to prove. Mm. I have kids of my own. I, yeah. I don't want them to feel nervous about expressing who they really are, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, and I don't and, and I want to be honest to who I am and I'm a fucking nerd and I, I want and that's okay you yeah because yeah. I will I will attract other people that are nerdy and have the you same know on that and, right right and on that note of nerd I actually this is something I wonder about a lot now with kids and growing up in a very different time um, you know when when we grew up I think the the you know the so called cool kids <laughs> were typically into sports and very different things than we were. Um, you know, more athletic, more like a jockey. <laughs> right. Um, that was the typical cool kid, at least in my experience. Um, and uh, I wonder now how that might be changing. I, I really don't know. The, I'm so far removed from it. I don't know either. It, Actually, but I, I wonder I specifically because now this. the people that we look up to, the successful people in our world are often technical um, and like we all are embracing technology in ways that we never were and are at our, you know, in our elementary school age. Right. So I wonder if now that has changed so that, you know, nerds are actually the cool kids. I have, I don't know. But I see, I, it, it does feel like nerddom as an, as a cultural identity <laughs> yeah. is, is very prevalent yes. now. It totally does. But then again, but it's prevalent in adult society. Who knows? That's you know? the thing. I don't know if it is so in people elementary listening to the show, age. President Obama. Yeah. Um, let us know. Write in and let us know if, if you have kids that are 12, 13, 14 in that kind of transitional period. Yeah. Is nerddom more culturally acceptable? Have superhero movies, for example, helped with that at all? Yeah. Because when I was a kid, like I, there was, you know, I had my nerdy friends. Right. And then I, and then I kind of separated from them a little bit because I realized that we were all sort of reinforcing our nerdiness together. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. And so we kind of abandoned each other a little bit and abandoned that very open circle of nerdiness. Nerds. Yeah. Right. The circle uh-huh. of nerds, the nerdle. <laughs> And then <laughs> and then kind of came back to it, right? Uh, yeah, and, yeah. But it's funny. I was I because was with, that um, was the, your true self. At that, I, I think. Right, right. Exactly. And then you kind of negate it as you separate from your parents a little bit, and you become a little more independent. Yeah. And you kind of reconstitute who you think you are after yeah. that, I guess. But I was hanging out with my friends in Delaware last month, as I told you about. And um, you know, these are all friends that I had basically my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, for the most mm-hmm. part, they're people that I've been friends with since kindergarten or you know elementary school. And we were just. <laughs> I have this very vivid memory. We were walking in downtown Rehoboth Beach. And somebody, probably was Greg, or no, I think it was my friend Matt, Meg. Was, was like it was, it, was, yeah, it, was, it was the Meg actually. It was the movie. Um, was like we never really talk about the cool kids growing up, but like why were they the cool kids? Right. You know. Yeah. Because my group of friends, we weren't like ostracized. Like we we were we we did athletics. You know, we mm. were we were pretty liked. You know, we had girlfriends and things. You know, we weren't like yeah. completely shut out. Right. But, like, we were definitely, nobody would ever in a million years have called any of us the cool kids, right? right. right. Even though we were friends with some of them. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. I can relate to a lot of that, yeah. And so it's like, what is that that passing over point? And, and what we decided as we were just walking and going to the Dogfish Head Brewery, which, again, is amazing, <laughs> was that it had something to do with the appearance of not caring. Yeah. And that if you can really, if you really can appear that you don't care what anybody thinks of you. Yeah. That um, you can be cool because the reality is is that if you if I think you so do care I don't about know it, I'm not convinced that's all of it though at that age I think I that plays it feels into like it, it is I because the thing is, is that like if if you if you're you, you can be like countercultural right yeah, like yeah, you, you yeah, can yeah, be yeah. kind of punky right but those were never the cool kids right but because they cared the... too much well right yeah, I guess but I, I later I, on I can, they became I can cool. think of some that were 
yeah, they probably didn't care what anyone thought and were a little bit, you know, were a little bit more punky and probably were cool. I no, don't know. But, see, but the punky ones do care, right? Yeah. Because at the heart of the punk movement is the is well, the I mean, the reality is everyone cares of authority, right? <laughs> yeah. But no, but the thing is that if you can if you can pretend like you don't and you yeah. can get away with it, if yeah. you can really and also be kind of attractive and mm-hmm. also be kind of athletic, yeah. But like not feel like you need to do anything to prove that to people, right? Then right. you're the cool kid, right? Yeah. The cool kids are the ones who are socially totally comfortable mm-hmm. and don't. And and it's like it's like they can barely drag themselves out of bed because it's like why even bother to show up? Like I'm so fucking great, it doesn't even matter, right? <laughs> and that's coolness, I think. Oh in, man, in a way. how sad is that though? It is sad, like, right? Like I don't want to be around those people. But so this is I don't this want is my what... kids to be those people. Do you? No. And so I want to make sure we talk about our kids too before the episode's over. But before we do though, I wanted <laughs> to just talk briefly about our awkward phases. Yeah, yeah. Because my awkward phase was right now <laughs> in this second. No, I mean, it started in 1985, and it's just kept it's going. It's just been barreling through. Yeah. I definitely felt, I felt the awkward phase sort of happening, and it was definitely in middle school, as oh, like many, God, yes. many people's are. Mm-hmm. And it was, I remember in sixth grade, I was like, still relatively cool compared mm-hmm. to like what I was going to become. You know, <laughs> like I had a rock band, and you know, I, I had a lot of singing solos, and I was like able to fit in. Yeah. And then I lost a couple core parts of my identity. One was my voice changed because I oh, went wow. to puberty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And and up until that point, you know, as we said, like I was an actual professional singer as a right. kid, and so that was like huge. a paycheck. And all of a sudden, I couldn't do that anymore. Oh man! And I almost ruined my voice. I got nodules on it. I had to go to a physical therapist, vocal therapist for that. Yeah. And got like a camera down my throat. It was like a real deal. Ugh. So all of a sudden, I couldn't sing anymore. And mm-hmm. so so everybody who thought of me as the, the singer, you know, they suddenly were like, "Well, I guess you can't do that." So that happened. And then also he's now schmuck. He's you know, yeah. What work does he have? Also, like my friends all kind of disbanded because we all felt awkward about you know being nerdy together, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and then also like I felt um, sort of culturally untethered. Like mm. I felt like I didn't really know what was cool and what wasn't cool and what I was supposed to be following. And for the first time, yeah. I cared about that. Yeah. Like for the first time, it wasn't like what am I into? It's mm-hmm. what is everybody else into? Yep. So it was a sort of a substituting the, my subjective experience for this objective idea of what culture is and finding that I didn't really I think that's know. exactly it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I kind of lost my center, you know? Yeah. Although family was still there, obviously. And some friends were still there. Yeah, but family, at least for me, sight, I mean, know? I can relate because the middle school for me too, I think was the most awkward phase of it. Um, and I think if I remember correctly, family, I, I didn't want to have any part of in family. At that time, oh, for no, me. No, nobody does, right? right? Although, but but if we didn't have it, I think it'd be very different, right? Oh, absolutely. We were choosing to negate that, and it's because we wanted to be ourselves. You know, that's we right. wanted to be cool. We of wanted course. to separate. So that's pretty natural. But we knew that if the shit hit the fan, we weren't going to be homeless. We can go back. That's to our right. Families, exactly. Right? Yeah, for me, it was very very um, uh, heavy metal, um, which is you know not saying anything against it. Uh, it though it's funny to like only certain. Uh, songs or bands have made it through the generations for me. You yeah, know, uh, generations. Oh my god, it's so funny. I've been living for generations, <laughs> generations, and <laughs> generations. Um, There's so many bands the like decades, that who yeah. I now hear and I'm like, oh my god, right? Like, why was I into like saliva? You right. know, like yeah, why yeah, did yeah, I listen yeah, yeah. to? Although Slipknot. it's funny. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. We've talked about Slipknot, but it's funny. Bands like even like Deftones, like Deftones are a good example mm-hmm. of a band who really are are of that milieu. Yeah, but who whenever they come on, I'm like, oh, that's still pretty good. Yeah, I still, yeah, still kind of like that. I'm I'm not even like uh I think they're a good band but like Metallica I can't really listen to See, much Metallica now. has always been totally great for me. I, I mean I, I think I, I think Metallica. they're great but I just it doesn't ring it doesn't like resonate with me in the way that it used to. Right. Cuz that was like I don't know it spoke to me in that time, you know, yeah. that that very like forceful aggressive kind of music. 
Um, so I remember just walking around, you know, with that yellow Sony uh, cassette player. And yeah. Then I guess at that point, the middle active school, edition. Middle school is probably yeah, yeah, like yeah. The the war, war resistant. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yo, that yes. was fucking sick. But I guess by middle school, it was more so it was actual CD player. Remember, it kept skipping as you like walk yeah. around. Yeah. Well, well, you had to get the skipless one. Well, yeah. Eventually, that was I did. Like, my dad, like, my dad gave me his, and I was like, fucking, that was crazy. That yeah. was that was a big turning point. Do you in remember my life. how awesome fucking CD players were? Yeah. They look cool too. They're like little UFOs. Yeah. But by the end of the line, it's the so CD bulky players and annoying now. Thinking about it. Yeah, but like I still would totally like. I want a CD player. Like I, I get CDs now, and I'm like, what am I gonna <laughs> no, do with this thing? I don't thing? have that I much don't... nostalgia. No. No, but like I went to a concert a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. And they were selling CDs afterwards. Yeah, but don't bother. And, well, and I was like, I, I bought the CD, and and I, you know, we have like our cars still have CD. Yeah, players, that's one place right? you can still rely. But our cars are also like ten years old. We're about to get new cars. Oh, new cars done with school. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I was talking to my friend Mike. I mean, I bought one in 2015, and it has it. My friend Mike's an audio engineer. Yeah. We were talking about this the other night. Yeah. He just got a Subaru. Okay. That's, that's like, mine I think too. Two Mine's years a Subaru. Old. Super! Yeah. Where the fun happens. And he was mentioning that the CD, there's car. no CD player in there. Really? Um, and it's problematic because he uses hmm. the Apple CarPlay technology. Yeah. yeah. And we were talking, because we're audio geeks, about how the mid-range is sort of depleted on that. Yeah. So you want to hear it on a CD, but right. you can't do that anymore, Yeah, right? I know. It is really hard to do. Dead. We've definitely given up on that. That's like, dead. You know, the fact that we're using compressed audio. and It's dead. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Happy Halloween. Um, but that was very much part of my identity. So I could never actually um, play any music. I never even bothered trying, I guess. So maybe that's a problem. <laughs> part of the problem. Um, but I... Did you never, you never tried? I never really... Not really. Not like... Uh, I didn't really give it a shot, no. So you know, the, in college, I took a guitar lesson. Um, did you get one? And I, well, I, yeah, someone gave me a nice um, acoustic guitar that nice. they had. Yeah, it was cool. Steel it was string? Like from the '60s or something. Um, yeah, Walnut? I think it was steel string. Nice. Um, came from like Brazil. I don't know. Really, uh, it's not like super. I don't think it's like super <laughs> nice, but yeah. but it was cool. You know, it was like a nice. new thing, and I was fun to try. But I, I just don't think I'm a musician. Yeah, um, and that's fine. But okay. but music means a lot to me, and right. so. You know, I used to, it started in um, middle school when I would just like, as part of, <laughs> I guess, right before the F, the F, F Friday night uh, movie crew, uh, at that time we were going every weekend to uh, Harvard Square mm-hmm. and getting CDs at Newbury Comics, you oh, know, man. so I just built up this collection of music and that was just such an important part of my identity. Which is funny because now we go there to get vinyl. It's yeah. So, it's so weird. The yeah. circularity of everything. You I know, know, I know. Because as a culture, we've sort of done this too, as a generation, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. you look at That's the things the thing. that are being marketed to oh, us now. Oh, it's millennials, yeah. Because all... we're the biggest generation now. Right. And we so. have we have disposable yeah. income finally right. somewhat yeah finally <laughs> and like and yeah, i mean a little bit yeah enough to go to the movies and to buy music and things exactly like that. And so yeah. the things that are coming out now in popular culture are all callbacks to our childhoods right, right? yeah um so it's like as a culture we're doing the same things that you and i and, and people are doing individually right which is that like we went through a phase where we didn't really know what like our stuff was right yep and then we kind of reconstituted as like okay this is our this is our what our generation looks like <laughs> This is our and childhood. And now every dad that I see is wearing like a Jurassic Park or Star Wars shirt. Exactly, right? <laughs> Which is awesome. Isn't that, I got a fucking alien lunchbox. It's awesome, but at the same time, like I'm seeing the exact same like Star Wars shirt, you yep. know, from Target, like yep. on everybody. And yep. I have it too. I so have it's it too, a little bit, I know. That part makes fucking me a six little- six bucks, uh, you can't beat that. I know, six that's dollars, the thing. Six dollars, Star Wars, oh my God. Right? Yeah. And it's like a good shirt. And it's okay, because it's us, right? It is. Because it we're is. finally yeah. saying, you know what? We we were nerds that whole time. Like, we were doing that. We all we all went home and watched science fiction and still pretended to go on the trampoline and punch bullies, right? <laughs> like, we all did that, but we had to pretend like we didn't because it wasn't cool enough. Yeah. And now that I we, don't know. Yeah. Now that we have some degree of power in society, mm-hmm. now that we're adults and getting kids of our own- And the nerds own the world. And the nerds run- I'm thinking of the Beyonce song. <laughs> Run the world. And now we have the ability to like to be like this is who we really were all along. Yeah. You know? It is really nice. Um, I mean, I find part of it too is they uh 
caring less because as you get older, that's part of it. And also as you become a parent, <laughs> you just don't even have time to like exactly. care about yourself and as that much. That is the most liberating thing of all. So I think in that there's a really important lesson that, you know, we got it naturally that way because we have less time to focus on ourselves. But um, I wonder about the things that we can do with our kids to like help them get outside of themselves. Because yes. I, and maybe it's like, uh, uh, what's the, the myth of the, ti- you know, turn, trying to turn back the tide. Um, King something. <laughs> okay, forget we'll it. Say, we'll say good King Wenchelis. It's not a myth. It's a, I think it's a Bible Wenchelis. story. You mean, um, you mean Moses parting the Red Sea? No, no, no. It's okay. Let's figure it, it out. What are, you, what are you trying to get at? Uh, you mean The Abyss by James Cameron? It's no, a great movie. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure it's there's a Bible. Uh, holding back a tide. Verse or something about holding back the tide or turning back the tide. I, it doesn't matter. It's just a, it's a nice turn. visual, right? The idea that you can actually make it like turn the other way. Recede. Yeah. Um, not just recede, but actually like turn back. I guess that's just the same thing. doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know, I don't know. No, but that's the point. It's right, like, right. okay, so anyway. An impossibility. Um, yeah. An impossibility, right. Is it impossible that we could even get them outside of themselves? Or do we just kind of like let it be, you know? And maybe it's a little bit of both. Um, that they don't have to be so preoccupied with self. Because, you know, it's not like that's going to be really hard on them to be so um, aware or have this distorted sense that everybody's looking at you. Everybody cares about what you wear, what you do. They're paying attention to every detail. Like, that's not the reality. We know that as adults now, but you don't as kids. Right. You know? I don't know how much control we have over that. I mean, yeah. You know, I, I, I really feel much. like, I think it's part of the developmental cycles that children go through, that at some point they have to come up with a sense of self. And yeah. I think they have to distance themselves from their immediate things that they've known their whole lives, and right. things that they've loved their whole lives. Yeah. And look at culture, look at their school culture, and judge themselves against that, right? Yeah. And think, okay, I know who I have been, but who who am I turning into? Right. Right? So what is our role as parents, do you think, through that? To uh, So in my opinion, mm-hmm. and then I want to get yours, it's to constantly— Thank you. I appreciate Yeah, that. But for once, I'll probably <laughs> fucking daydream. It's to always create a safe space in the realest sense of that term so that if they do have a hard time out there— Yeah. Because they will, because we all did— that they know that they can, even in the midst of that, have people who will love and accept them at home mm-hmm. and people who will make sure that they realize that regardless of who they're seen as by their peers, mm-hmm. that they are so loved and admired at home, even if they're being assholes to us. Yeah. And even if they're difficult, that, I mean, because when I look back through that time period, that was when, like, my dad was taking me to a lot of uh, NASCAR races, you know? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That was something that I was really into as a kid. And he, he, he hadn't been, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but he got into it because of me. So in sixth and seventh grade, when I was having a rough time at school, yeah. I knew that I could go to these NASCAR races with my dad and we would take a trip and it would be a great time. Right. You know? Yeah. And I knew that my, my family wasn't going to just sort of abandon me. I right. think that's important. What about you? What are some I think, you think I think there's truth to that. I can't help but keep thinking, like, as you say that, I can see how a teenager is going to get so annoyed by that. Like, oh, he always wants to talk yeah. or always wants to be there. Because I have the same thought that I want to, like, I want it to always be this open space where they won't feel judgment, at least initially. <laughs> um and that they can just, like, be themselves, you know, and know that we're there to support them, but not feel like we're bearing down on them um, with, with you know, overdoing it with rules or um, boundaries. But, you know, knowing that we're there as, like, a, a help, a support, um, but also a guide. Because I do think that there's, like, I don't, I don't believe raising kids is all about, like, the sort of, you know, ha- the so-called free-range approach either, right, where you're just, like, letting them be themselves. I think that especially right. at that younger age, there's a lot we can do to give them direction, right, of what's right and wrong and all of that. So I think it it backs off as they get to that, you know, awkward stage um, so that we're not 
as much as present, which is going to be hard. It's going to be but, hard. But it can really, I think, backfire if we overdo it and try to be too, like, you know, on their back. Oh, of course, and they're going to rebel against exactly. us, right? I mean, they're going to they're gonna rebel time, no matter you, what. You can't be like, oh, just come home whenever you want. Like, yeah, just, exactly. Like, put the needles away Exa- so I don't yeah. see them. You know, <laughs> you, you can't just be like that. Right, exactly. But um, I think it's the, as we've talked about many times, it's not judging, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And maybe part of it, because I, I, I'm thinking about things that, that might have been helpful for me because I, I had a, a kind of a rough time develop, you know, in terms of just getting in trouble for things. You know? Yeah, yeah. Something that might have helped me was, would be hearing more um, that they've struggled with similar things as well. I think so, too. Because Which you maybe never my see parents your... did bring up, but I, I feel like I didn't hear that much. No, I don't up. think I did either. I think Which actually— I think it makes sense. I think most parents probably don't do that. But maybe right. it would help, you know, being like, you know what? Like, I also, like— Got busted for to having to get to know your parents as other people, you know, like right. people who ha- were young at one point. Yeah, I, I I like that idea, and I think for me, if I looking back, what I might have benefited from, which is so hard because like <laughs> I could see this backfiring too. But for me, I felt like oftentimes my parents weren't um, present enough necessarily, or I've been plugged in enough in my school or whatever it is. Like you know, I, I just. Um, I don't know. I was well. You were probably also like, "Back off, mom." Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, oh, that's the thing. If they, if they had been even more involved, then I probably, you know, would have hated that. Exactly. So, like, it's definitely uh, you can't win as a parent. Um, but, but yeah, I like that idea of uh, understanding your parents as like you know fellow human beings who might have uh, you know gotten into trouble or done other things that you. I don't know. I like that. I, I think. It's. I'm thinking it through in my head, and there too, you have to be careful because it's like you know. At the end of the day, we're not like your your friend. You know, it's like right. <laughs> Although, so this is this is one of the few things you and I really disagree yeah, on. I think yeah. is the whole friend thing. Yeah, because when I hear people say like like I'm not here to be your friend, I'm here to be your dad. <laughs> did I say it like that? Well, no. Did yeah, I take yeah, on you the did, you got the accent again. The child. You do sometimes have a southern accent. I know. I don't know That's where it comes from. And, and I think people a few generations, might not realize maybe a different life. Child. Yeah. You kind of you kind of go child. <laughs> When I raise that, that chow. sounds like a South Park version of, I, of a Southern accent. When I read that chow. Yeah. Um, I so think we diverge that, uh, on this one. Yeah. Well, I, so I, I do feel like friendship is important. It, 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 it doesn't mean that there's no rules and it doesn't mean that there's yeah. not authority. Right. Because I do. And I make it clear when I transition into like into real just dad mode as yeah. opposed to just being a, 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 you know, I'm not like a peer. Right. No, of course. I don't but, mean it like it, where I'm actually not friends. Like, yeah, I, there but are I think qualities it's important of it, to like, but... like when they're playing, I try to play with them if I can oh, and, yeah, and not yeah. get in their way. But like, partly I always have to stand. I, they need to know my authority. Respect my authority. Um, but but I, it is important, I think, to uh, to cultivate a sense of openness and understanding, oh, so, that, yeah. so that they see you as not just an authority figure, right? Oh, which totally, is, which is important too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you do put your foot down, to be like, listen, I am your friend, but I'm also your dad. Yeah. And because of that, you you have to listen to what I say because you're still young enough. That's right. Where I do know what's better. Yeah. And this is the paradigm that we're operating in, and you have to do it, right? I think part of what's running in my head, I just started reading this book. We'll have to talk about it when I finish. Um, uh by Mon- Yeah, Monkamoka. <laughs> Similar, actually, because it's written by someone named uh, Maskelo. So there's some Mon-ka-moka M there, alliterati- alliteration, yeah. Um, Marlboro. Uh, I wish I could remember the name of the book. I'll, I'll bring it up when I actually do finish reading it. We can talk about it more. Um, but he actually was a professor that Bethany had in school. And mm. uh, so I finally got around to reading his book about parenting. And it's interesting because it talks about in the early part of it, sort of laying the groundwork for the book and his approach. Um, there's this scale of demandingness and responsiveness that parents have. And if you are, there's different combinations, right? So um, authoritarian parents would be totally um, demanding and not responsive, not supportive. Which is know? like the classic 
fifties dad archetype, yeah, so right? Where they go the, to work, and I'm they not come your home, friend. And they're drunk and, and they're like, exactly. you know, do your chores. Yes, and, right. and very much like I will define this person. Right. They are clay that needs to be molded. You will inherit the family business. Yeah. You will go exactly. into selling dildos. Yes. <laughs> and then there's low on the demandingness and high on the responsiveness is what, what he calls you know permissive parenting, where it's like very free. Like you need to let the kid find themselves, and it's all about like not being. Um, not giving them direction, just giving them fully support. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what he advocates for is authoritative parenting where it's high responsive, high demandingness. So they're held to certain standards, you know, and you set boundaries. You're also there entirely fully present, you know, in terms of being responsive to their needs and who they are. And that I, it resonates with me. I still, you know, I haven't finished the book yet. So again, we can talk through it more, but um, it resonates me in the context of this identity part as well, because I think that, um, if you don't have that, both of those things, those complementary features, you you might have a hard time finding yourself even because, you know, you don't have that like groundedness to you, right? Mm-hmm. You're like in it alone almost finding yourself. Whereas, you know, it's like having a guide, right? You know, like the hero's journey always has um, a guide. You know, there's always a Obi-Wan. Gandalf. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Obi-Wan, exactly. And uh, so that, that kind of, that resonates with me. And that's why I say like, I'm not your friend. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mean that in a negative way like there's qualities of friendship but that you I do want bring to that phrase there. up a lot yeah which well, is interesting i, t- but, I think i read that, that directly from the book you. yeah he says don't say that no well he doesn't say don't say that but he's like you're not you know you're not your kid's friend or whatever um i don't i don't, I don't get, I, guess, I don't get that i think I, you're I reading think into it too much of, i don't no, mean but it literally I don't think I am, because i think it's important to be careful with the ways that we frame things as parents yeah yeah and i think it says something kind of shitty yeah because it's exclusionary if you say i'm not your friend but see, that's, I'm not, I would right. never say that to my kids. That's not what like, I'm saying. Listen, you little jerk! <laughs> I would say that to Child. other adults because it's like, I, I'm the, I, what I mean by that is I'm not just your friend. I'm not, like, that's see, not that's, who I am. But that's what I say. Okay, so to that's me, fair. That, so, that, so maybe we do have the same mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think but, so. No, but to me, that's very important, right? Because when, I agree Because with you. I do say exactly that yeah. quite a lot. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely, of the two of us, probably the harder ass I'm a friend when it comes plus. to. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're a harder I'm a ass. With you're full ass, so full you, ass. you've got to be a harder no, ass. No, but I mean, like, when, when I put my foot down on something, I, I tend to do it pretty intensely or if yeah. i'm if i'm upset with the kids for hitting each other or something like i'm i'm the michael will be cooler about it and i will be the one who will yell and send them to their room right but everything just settles down it's like perfect you know a storm's coming <laughs> michael leaves the room the tv turns off it gets dark outside <laughs> Did that translate well to the headphones uh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah go, that was go, great go, yeah no it's not i'm not like insane no, i know i know but I know, but i, know, I definitely I i'm not afraid to overstep the friend thing and to yeah, be like no yeah. get in the car you know yeah but i i would never say to them i'm not your friend no even I though would, i do I never say, say that either. i'm not just your friend all mm-hmm. the time because we're something more than that right that's right we're family we're yeah. parents that's right fucking crazy right yeah i mean at the end of the day friends will come and go mm-hmm. you know i mean jude is dealing with this every day now in, in kindergarten like his his like friend group is um i don't know if it's like especially volatile or maybe he's just being dramatic about <laughs> it but it's like, like every no, every day he's like he's like oh, i'm fighting with abraham again now Ugh, but, like, but at least charlie's there and ryan keeps drawing death stars on my binder and i'm telling him to stop but then serena comes by i mean to be fair you know, why would he stop that's awesome that's true. Yeah, that's true. He's, maybe maybe he's very Jude good should at just, too. you know, let him draw the Death Star. Well, he's been practicing Death Star be okay. so they can, they, and they've been drawing on the easel in the front of the class. That's here. awesome. But he has all these new social things in his yeah. life. And yeah. every day there's drama going on and there's things tra- tra- right. going around. So I want him to know that, like, 
that's okay. There's vicissitudes in life. Like you're going to have your friends that are going to yeah. come and go. And but like, frankly, we're not. the family too. I mean, to a degree, but yeah. there, but there is that extra layer. Right? Oh, totally. There is well, that certainly grandma's with house your on immediate, Sundays, especially. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like like there's a part of me who will always be at grandma's house on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. There's a part of me who will always be with my dad at that NASCAR race. Right. 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 I want there to always be a part of my kids that's yeah. on the floor with Playmobil sets with me yes. and with Micah, laughing on a Saturday morning. Totally. Right? And so if, if everything comes and goes and everything changes, we are building those little structural identity points early on yeah. and making sure that they're part of their being so that when they're older, when they've gone through this journey of, of you know young adulthood where they negate who they think they want to be and who they are <laughs> and they don't know who they are and they yeah. get upset about it and they listen to emo music and blah, 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 that when they start reconstituting who they are, mm-hmm. just like you and I, yeah. and speaking personally, I, like my relationship with my parents is, is amazing now. Yeah. Like, I treasure every chance that I see them. Yeah. I really do. And my sister, too. But there were many years in my life where I was an asshole to them, you right, know, where I right. just wanted to do my own thing, and I wanted to stay out late, and I wanted to go make out with girls, and I was just, yeah. I didn't want to be anywhere near them, you know? Yeah. But now that I've figured out who, who I think I actually was all along and who I really am, mm-hmm. I'm realizing that, like, that's me. You know, my family well, is me. They that's probably somewhat a testament to them and their you know how they raised yeah, you because exactly. it could have right. easily backfired if they had you know pushed too hard during that stage right, right where exactly you, where you may not have a relationship with them now who knows yeah. um, so, so I think that's that's what I'm saying with identity oh is that, I I think I, I agree with set you. things for them so that they know that there are fundamentals to their identity that regardless of anything else that happens will always be there for them that's right to reinforce and, who they are in a chaotic world I I like that I like that and I I especially like this idea of the mentor the hero's journey model and the idea of the demandingness and responsiveness part of it because I feel like there's something really beautiful about the fact that um, no one knows them like we do you know Mm -hmm. having you know been there their entire lives from from the very beginning I feel like we know them at such a deep level and in fact in ways that are deeper than they may even know themselves at some stages of their life and how powerful is that you know so so I feel like both the demandingness and the responsiveness. I don't like the term that that they use, demandingness. It's it's a bit harsh or hard, I think. But anyway, the point is that we're holding them up to be like to be themselves, that pure selves. And sometimes, you know, I think we as parents are going to be able to spot when they're not. They're not being themselves, and they're not comfortable in themselves. Yes, and that's important. And then I right? think you know because I think having that, and maybe you know maybe that leads to arguments when they're older or whatever it might be. There's some friction there, right? Um, and I'm not saying it to the extent that we're like exerting who we think they should be. Right. You know, we have to be careful. So that's where the responsiveness comes in because it's like responding and adapting your, your, your parenting style even, you know, and I'm seeing this even the way it plays out between the two kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like if one is more sensitive to certain things or just like you can kind of see, you know, like Grace might have a thicker skin around certain ways of being disciplined mm-hmm. versus Luke, you right. know what I mean? Exactly. Or vice versa. Right. So like it's, a, it's about responding. And appreciating that they are unique human beings. Yes, and saying, I know who you are. Exactly. You might not know who you are. And how powerful and the world is that? might not know who you are, but I know who you are. Yeah. And when we're old someday, mm-hmm. I'm never going to lose sight of who you were as a child and yeah. who you have been all along. Because I've been there. Right. Because I know. Exactly. And, and, and you know, th- we live in a world where there are, you know, there's 8 billion people basically in the yeah. world at this point. Is it, is it, has it, has it hit 8 billion? It's something in that I think neighborhood. It's, I think it's in the 7s, but I'm not sure. But it's, yeah. it, there's For a lot, we there's know a lot it could of people. Be 18. There's more yeah. than three people. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's, and, and it's so awash in information and in culture and in politics and in turbulence and, and virulence and yeah. war and bloodshed and blah, blah, blah. There's just so much out there that is saying you're inconsequential. Right. Right. Yeah. There's so much out there that's saying like, well, people that are more important than you have bigger things to think about than, than you. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
But there's always going to be those people in your life who have been there from the very beginning who know that you're really important. Yeah. Who know that you're really special. Right? Yep. And if and if we can can weather life, keeping that in mind, knowing that we're really loved in a deep way. Yeah. Then I think we know who we are. I think so. Yeah. That's it's powerful to think of ourselves playing that role, you know, yeah. in our kids' lives. It's amazing. And I think something I want to come back to in a future episode is how we then take that right—the idea that they are sort of the center of our worlds as parents. Mm-hmm. But they're not center of the world, and yes. we don't want them to yes. think that they are. Right. And it's like coming to terms with that and helping them see the world as a bigger place. Right. So uh, that could be a good That's a good one. episode. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Let's do that next week. All right, let's do All it. All right, see you guys. All right, talk to you later. Bye.